This conversation is brought to you in part by Calavo Growers, the family of fresh. Hey there, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Ben's doing good. He told me he was when he came on the air and hang out with me today. So you got both of us doing good. We all hope you're doing good all over the world listening to us today. I'm excited about today's show. This is a very interesting topic and a very interesting group doing some big things out there that not a lot of people know about and not a lot of people are hip to. So I'm looking forward to sharing a little light and getting people involved and getting to think a little bit differently about what we actually do with our food, what are opportunities with our food, because this is a great topic. So please, everybody, put your hands together. Let's get a big clap out there in the world of uh, the podcast channels and welcome the co-founder and chief innovation officer, easy for me to say, of the Upcycled Food Association. Please, everybody, welcome Ben Gray. Welcome, brother. I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much, Todd. I appreciate being here and uh, appreciate the opportunity to hang out with your audience. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, dude. I'm, I'm super stoked you're here because this is a really cool subject to talk about. And I think it's going to be neat for people to kind of get a, a little bit of a deep dive about what it actually means, and what it's doing. But before we get into that, if you wouldn't mind, just give everybody a little 411, if you wouldn't mind about who you are a little bit, a little bit about your journey and bio, and then we'll dive into all this fun stuff. Absolutely. So I'm um, kind of first and foremost, just a lover of food. Uh, if gluttony wasn't a seven deadly sin, I don't even know. I, I, I love food. Um, yeah. and that's, that's my background. Uh, at high school, I went to culinary school, Johnson and Wales grad uh, from Providence. Uh, then it was, it was clear I wanted to help people with food. And so uh, nutrition was kind of the next stop for me um, and had been doing nutrition education and nutrition communication uh, for a good amount of time. Uh, left a, a position and moved here to Denver where I'm based uh, and got involved with uh, some volunteer policy work and just the wonderful uh, scene here in Denver with food systems. Um, did some volunteer work with an organization called Denver Food Rescue, who uh, my co-founder, Turner Wyatt, who's our CEO, Upcycle Food Association CEO, uh, was the executive director of Denver Food Rescue. Um, he had an idea about mm-hmm. a better solution for uh climate change and and approaching climate change and specifically a consumer-driven solution to climate change. Um, so the story that we're going to be talking about today really developed from a hypothesis mm-hmm. that Turner, myself, and our 10 founding members developed that uh, this could be an industry, that these companies could use support. And if we supported these companies doing this great work that we'll talk about, if we supported them in the right way, uh, we would be able to really scale this solution to preventing food waste, to hopefully addressing climate change, and you know, all curing curing all the world's world's ills, as it were. So uh, that's a big but, lift, brother. <laughs> There's a lot of ills. Food person <laughs> at the start. I love having interesting conversations with these fascinating people who are in our in our community, and that's uh, a bit about me. Love it. Dude, I love it. This is going to be great. I'm super pumped for this. But I want to bring up to everybody a little bit up to speed and, and, and what it is. And I'm going to start off by this. But, you know, there's a report that was written in 2021 from the Food and Nutrition Sciences. And they said that 10% of consumers out there are hip to what upcycle food is. Only 10%. That's really surprising to me. But what was interesting in the report is that once people get educated 
80% of those folks said, I'm going to look for it now and make it a part of something that they shop for. And that's a very interesting statistic because it shows that connectivity, that emotional values play that this business brings and what you're talking about. And, and I, you know, just briefly for folks, we're going to get have you have you get us deeper into the conversation. But when you think about upcycle food, it's things like taking soy or oat or almond pulp that's used to make the milks and repurposing that to make these amazing flowers that are, you know, full of fiber and just kicking butt from a nutritional standpoint, or maybe cashews with the natural skin, things along those lines. But what's interesting, and we touched on a little bit earlier before we flip the cameras on a chat, this this business has like got a $50 billion valuation, give or take, give or take, you know, at that point, give or take a billion is nothing, right? I mean, but I mean, it's a big, big number about what this business is all about. So if you wouldn't mind with that kind of frame up a little bit, tell everybody what upcycle food means. And if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, it's this combination of something that we all think is probably the right thing to do, getting the best out of our resources mm -hmm. and a totally new lens on the food system. Um, upcycled products are the same products or very similar products to what people are used to seeing on the grocery store or online when they're shopping for themselves. Uh, they use food that would otherwise have gone to waste, but we're diverting it. So we're making sure it continues in the system for people. And they're putting it into, uh, into products for consumers. So uh, you mentioned some examples. Uh, we like to talk also about like brewer spent grain, the, the grain you've got after brewing. Um, sure. Oftentimes that, that tends to go to landfill, compost, uh, possibly anaerobic digestion, right? And that's what we consider a waste destination. So what we're, what these companies are trying to do is divert it so it doesn't go there, but it actually stays, we can add value to it, stays within the system for people. Um, we talk about the underutilized, but also the unseen, right? 70% of the cacao pod doesn't get used in chocolate production. We can right. do a lot of that. Um, the fruit on the outside of the coffee bean oftentimes is a huge waste issue because it's quite acidic. Um, we can do a lot of great things like turn it into flowers, turning into bars. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, this is why the, the conversations are so interesting because as someone who comes from a foods background, you're mm -hmm. seeing people who are looking at their manufacturing, their supply chains, their, the food they're making, and they're just looking at it differently than others have by applying an age old lens. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well said. I love it. Age old lens. I love that because I, I think when you think about food 200, 300, 500 years ago, it's, there was no waste because there was no way to store waste. So there, I mean, you know, they were figuring out ways to use everything that they possibly could. And this is exactly what this movement's about. It's like taking a step back through that lens. Like how are we going to win the day and get the most value out of everything that we produce? I mean, how big of a problem? And I, you know, and I, I, I like to put this out to people because I think it's worthy of continually bringing up so people keep registering. Now, how big of a problem are you tackling when it comes about food waste? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to frame it, and it it ends up being one of those problems that's almost so large it's hard to conceive of. Um, yeah, we we hear numbers like between thirty and forty percent of all the food grown for people doesn't actually get to people, right? So that's globally, uh, and in each country, in each territory, it's, it's lost or wasted in different places. What we know is that generally about 60% of that loss or waste happens before it gets to consumer, whether that's from the grocery store or from the restaurant. Before that happens, 60% is from farm to point of sale, right? So right. that's 
that's where we work. We don't work with, with food um, after it's been purchased by a consumer, whether that's in the restaurant or sure, sure. at the grocery store. If you want to look at it economically, it's generally said it is about a trillion dollars of lost revenue each year globally. Um, in the U.S., that's closer to 250 billion, which is a, a refed stat. Um, still a ton of economic productivity. Um, you know, we can break it down by category, right? We can look at vegetables, we can look at grains, uh, but generally what we're looking at is just a lot of missed opportunity. Uh, and, and that has consequences. Um, if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter, emitter of greenhouse gas emissions is- behind the US and China. Um, it, it, it account, food waste accounts for 30% of the arable land uh, worldwide and a similar percentage of drinkable water as well. Um, so it's just on one side, it's a really large, uh, almost inconceivable problem. And on the other side, it is just a massive opportunity for all of us to put on a different lens and, mm-hmm. and what we already have, right? We hear yeah. a lot of people talking about how are we going to feed the 10 billion people that are projected soon on planet earth um and one very very helpful portion of that is oh just using what we what we're already uh producing for sure yeah figuring out what we have i'll give you one that i that i throw out all the time because i think it it helps people kind of get their head wrapped around food waste food waste in this country is equivalent of every single american big and small old and young throwing away 650 small to medium-sized apples each that's a lot yeah. of apples. Do the math, yeah. but you can't, you can't, you can't do that on your phone. You got to go sideways to get that number to go across. It's massive. <laughs> it's a massive amount of throwaway apples. So, talk a little bit at this point as we frame this up, as we kind of get into this. You know, talk about what your impact's been so far with the association. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation, and now a word from our sponsor. Hello, this is Jesse from Superior Fresh. Check us out at www.superiorfresh.com to learn more about how we raise our Atlantic salmon without the use of hormones, antibiotics, or pesticides. Our Heart Check certified salmon boasts two times the omega-3s of other salmon and are fed an organic and non-GMO diet. Our fish thrive in water naturally filtered by our USDA-certified organic greens, which allows us to recycle 99.9% of our water. This is salmon as it should be. Order Superior Fresh Salmon direct to your home by shopping with us online. And listeners of this episode can use the discount code TLC15 to receive 15% off your order. We make it easy to get the best salmon in your homes and on your plates. We've got you covered. Superior salmon equals superior taste. Shop now and use code TLC15 for 15% off through the end of the month. Yeah, um, there have been a lot of different ones. We're going to talk a lot about Upcycled Certified as we go today, I'm sure. Um, The amount of food that's been diverted as a result of the ingredients and products that are currently certified, an annual result is close to a billion pounds of food each year, right? So that's just the ones that are that are certified. That does not include all of those that are in the pipeline and all of those that are outside of our purview, which are many, many more, right? Mm-hmm. But from, from an impact standpoint, that's something that we track. That one billion pounds is a, is a mark that we're very close to. Um, wow. We have built a network of companies that in the fall of 2019, when we were formed as a nonprofit trade association, we had 10 founding members. 
Um, we are now at close to 230 organizations. They're members of our trade association that include wow. brands, uh, manufacturers, distributors, uh, folks in the uh, financial sector, academics, individuals, uh, co-manufacturers, if I didn't say that, kind of the whole, the, the whole supply chain is represented there. Um, and uh, as far as the, the certified ingredients and products, there's uh, over 300 of those to date and a program that opened officially last June. Um, and then finally, anecdotally, uh, I was just at uh, Expo East and before that at CHFA in Toronto about a month ago. And sorry that I've just dated our, our podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, at a time when a lot of the booths there may get intermittent traffic because mm-hmm. that's what they are. We just get tons of people walking by and, and saying, oh, oh, I need to know more about this. I've heard it. I don't quite understand it. That's what yeah. we're doing today, right? And we just get, there, there are not like more than two minutes of lull, no matter, no matter if we have two people or five people at our booth where people come over and just are very interested because hopefully as we'll demonstrate, it kind of just clicks. Like it, it makes sense. It's not a far reach. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think people, again, understand if you put that lens of uh, this is what we should be doing and what we have always done in times of scarcity and otherwise, then it, it kind of clicks for folks. Yeah, right. On. Well, you know, I want to come back to something you talked about earlier and it was talking about, you know, uh, ag land that really gets has food that never gets consumed. I mean, a number that I found 28%. So it speaks exactly to the numbers you were throwing out talking about, can you talk a little bit from the farmer perspective about some of the things that you've heard back from some some of these folks, you know, uh, about what you've come to them, right? You know, how has your work really helped the farmer and what kind of feedback you've gotten back from them? Because they have to be amazed. <laughs> yeah. Um, farmers are obviously the backbone of sure. what all of us are doing here in the food system. Um, and so the certification in particular really helps to provide value to what they already know is an issue, right? Um, There's a lot of reasons that food gets left in the field. There's demand, right? There's also though uh, standards of identity and just the specs for a given piece of produce, right? So if you consider our our hope and if you consider what the the spec is for a given piece of produce, let's say uh, it's a lemon, right? Um, and it's got a spec that says it can't be larger than this, right? It's got, it can't be smaller than this, this right. Graded, right? And it's going to, you're going to get a price premium based on the grading of what that lemon looks like. Um, they're going to, they're going to assume that a certain percentage of that harvest just doesn't is, is, is baked into their losses and it's, it's baked into how they're pricing things. Right. But what if you could, you could expand what is viable to market, uh, via spec or uh, insect damage or weather or whatever we're talking about, what if you could expand that uh, to find real value in what you have seen as a loss, right? Right. Um, So that consistent supply and hopefully widening the spec for food and widening the market for a given farmer is really important and something that we uh, really hope to do and, uh, and expect and um, there's also the opportunity for what we call very technically inconsistent supply, right? Maybe you had a weather event that you didn't expect, or a couple of years ago, all those fires really made a dent in the wine growing regions of California. Right. 
smoky right. gray, right? What if you had a process to um, to add value by saying these are these are certified, uh, and that's a recognized uh, that's a recognized attribute that consumers are looking for. All of a sudden, what was a loss is now uh, very economical, and you have a reason to reap all those resources you just put in, right? Because we're talking water, we're talking fertilizer, we're talking time, we're talking labor, all, uh, labor, all these things. When you don't harvest those things, it's not just the greenhouse gas emissions from say landfilling. Uh, it is also all the resources you've poured into that 30% that's wasted we talked about that just go away, right? So when we, when we cite a $1 trillion problem, it is not simply the value you get from purchasing food. It is everything that went into getting that apple, to use your analogy, uh, in yeah. front of somebody. Oh, 100%. And, and, you know, and, and you make such a great point. I think people need to recognize, you know, they don't, they don't recognize a crop failure when it happens because it's not in their grocery store. So to your point, you know, that farmer's got the labor, the land, the water, the, the whole land. And let's be honest, he's got the bank calling too, saying, hey, oh, by the way, where's you know we expect something back too and so it is a really big problem that we need to solve if we want to keep pushing the ball down the field and to your point to feed you know the 10 billion people coming by 2050 plus aliens because i'm sure they're coming too but you know i want to be clear for people and i think it's important that we, that we call this out is that this is not a rotten food problem right this is all viable and valuable for human consumption right this isn't stuff that's leaking out of a box it's not that it's just it is to your point it's imperfect it's whatever the by a byproduct of of pulp it's just creative ideas to take food another step further so with that being said my next question to you is there a stigma about upcycling food that needs to be cleared up to consumers or something they need to kind of grasp yeah i mean certainly that stigma you've described exists to a point um mm -hmm. but i think another point we touched on already about awareness of the concept in this mm -hmm. case is actually an advantage right People are, we have so much room to do education in this area that, uh, you know, if you consider 10% of people have heard of upcycled food, that means that in this country, in Canada, by the way, it's about 15%. But that means you have the balance of that to, to teach exactly what we're talking about here, right? Uh, that once they understand that it is, it, we're keeping it within the system for people. It never left. It's not like it's left and now we're, we're bringing it back in. We're keeping it in there, right? So there is some stigma. And certainly in the first couple of years that we were in existence, especially the first year, every article that came out about the Upcycled Food Association uh, or, you know, 90, 90, 90% had a picture of a landfill as, as, the, uh, as the picture going... The, yeah, not uh, the best poster child. <laughs> luckily, that has that has ceased. Um, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that uh, the journalists who, whom we love and owe a lot of our success to have have understood can understand that that's not what we're talking about. But that that awareness piece is really an opportunity for us to tell the story uh, to ensure that that stigma doesn't happen. And you identified one, but another one that is very important to call out, hopefully uh, early in the conversation here, is the stigma of greenwashing, right? Yeah. Um, that's something that uh, we take very seriously. We understand that it's an opportunity to really make an impact that we have, and we don't take that lightly. And, and certainly it will never be good enough for everybody but it needs it needs to be uh, it needs to be salient. It needs to be rigorous. Uh, 
when we're talking about things like a certification. There's got to be consumer trust. Um, and when we look at writing requirements for the certification, when we look at communication around upcycled food, it's very important for us to do education so that folks can understand the rigor behind it. They can understand um, the nuances of a supply chain that might look slightly different than how they think food moves through our system. Um, that's just another example of some of the stigma that that is on probably on the horizon and, and rightly so. I, I don't ever want us to be preying on people's hope that we can actually make a difference. I, I want it to actually make a difference. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. You want to, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to say, look what I did versus look what I'm going to do, right? People, it's, a, you know, hopes are great, but, but action is what people want to see. And I think it's important. And I think with what you're doing, it's such a great action item that, you know, every time you have those successes, I mean, it's just, it just keeps compounding and building in such a positive light. You set me up beautifully for this next question, and I'm ready to get into it. You know, I'm going to give you a two-parter just because I think it fits together. First is like, tell us what the Upcycle Food Association is, but also to tell us what your mission is, because I think that's really valuable. So we are a nonprofit trade association. Mm -hmm. We represent over 225 companies uh, that are all attempting to use food that would otherwise go to waste, ingredients and products, or related to that mission, right? So the actual mission of the Upcycle Food Association is to prevent food waste by growing the upcycled food economy. We have three kind of pillar programs. We have a membership program, which mm -hmm. helps to build the network of companies and helps them learn from each other, large and small mm -hmm. companies from uh, startup level all the way to your Kroger's, uh, your US foods, your Dole package foods, right? Some really mm -hmm. large companies uh, and everywhere in between. Uh, so helping to build that network, uh, helping to build the supply chain. Some of those larger companies I just mentioned um, may be interested in, in bringing in brands, but also may be interested in say private label themselves. Uh, and so what we've done with the certification, which I'll talk about in a sec, is ensure that ingredients can also be certified. So it builds a toolkit for uh, a company that wants to build an upcycled, uh, make an upcycled product. Mm -hmm. So it's building the infrastructure. Um, it's building the member network. It's attracting capital to the space. So that's another kind of pillar um, of what we do. And finally, our central and most public and consumer facing initiative is the certification. So yeah. um, we, I, I told a bit about our, our origin story there. Um, in the fall 2019, our first board mandated activity was to create a certification, but like one, one prime was, well, first we got to define this thing before we could actually put a certification together. So um, we brought together uh, a host of experts, which included uh, folks from the World Wildlife Fund, the Natural Resources mm -hmm. Council, Harvard Food Lab Policy Clinic, ReFed, Drexel Food Lab, and a host of others who couldn't put their official name on this document at the end because they worked for um, government agencies here in the US mm -hmm. uh, and, and otherwise. And we defined upcycled food for government, academia, industry, and most importantly, the consumer. Right. Um, I, I led that effort, I was a staff person on that effort to, to bring all those folks together. Uh, and then right after that, we, we used our definition as the basis for the certification, which we'll get into. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So certification comes from, uh, comes from a, 
uh, a background that includes academia, includes industry, includes nonprofits from that kind of basis. And then we, we use that basis, gathered another wonderful group of people together uh, who have a variety of expertise to, to build the certification, which again is kind of our front facing most, um, most public and uh, clear program that, that Upcycle Food Association does. I love it. I mean, it's just, it's such a powerful mission and such a powerful journey you, you folks are on. And it's just so worthy of people's time to invest and better understand it because the impact that you're having in a lot of ways isn't necessarily being seen. It's, you know, it's not front of face, but that impact that you're having out there in the marketplace is amazing. I guess, you know, you'll see it in the flowers, you'll see it in the different things that are being produced, but I mean, it's the behind the scenes lift that you guys have done is absolutely amazing. I asked you a little bit about the farmers and what they were thinking, but I got I, I to gotta come full circle and ask you too about some of the producers that are out there, right? Because all of a sudden you've got somebody that's doing this and you say, hey, but you can do this too. And it's like, whoa, this epiphany goes on. It's got to be very inspiring for some of these folks to get working with you and get those wheels turning together. Yeah. And it, it's it's small to large and kind of ever, sure. right? It's the whole, it's the whole supply chain and it's, uh, our hope is it's the whole food system that uh, it starts using this lens and starts bringing upcycled into into their product lines. So from the from the producer perspective, um, we're getting plenty <laughs> plenty of traction. Uh, yeah, if you're a manufacturer, you are probably looking for a sustainability story, and mm-hmm. uh, and this is one that really can connect. Right, you don't have a customer doesn't have to make two or three leaps to understand what's going on. Um, if we're doing our job right, then they understand, oh, this is this is something that was going to waste and is now here. Um, it's no longer, and it's a wonderful, delicious product, uh, you know, that has checked all the food safety boxes and uh, does everything that every other food on the market or beverage or product on the market needs to do. So from a, Producer standpoint, the sustainability messaging is really powerful. We're seeing adoption uh, where grocery stores want to bring in more brands that have upcycled products. We're also seeing folks like uh, IFF and other ingredient producers get involved and want to be able to service their customers, which are manufacturers, right? They're trying to put ingredients on the market. Um, Another really great success story there is AB InBev, who has uh, a subsidiary called Evergrain, and they're taking all of that grain in that St. Louis brewery, making making picturesque Budweiser. Um, and right next door, they're making upcycled ingredients, uh, protein powders, fiber powders, things like that, that are all all certified and can go into into products. Right. So we're seeing producers. We're seeing um, the folks. Uh, you know, the ingredient suppliers, one back from the supply chain. Uh, again, to, to go back to Expo East, you know, I saw plenty of R&D people. I saw plenty of marketing folks, um, plenty of folks who have consultancies who, are, who work with brands to understand their consumers better and, and see the connection between Upcycle as a, as a sustainability message and how it can be really impactful for the brands they're working with. Um, and it's, you know, it trickles back, right? It trickles back 
to the uh, ingredient suppliers, which trickles back to the producers themselves. And so we're really seeing varying levels of traction throughout the supply chain and, and expect that to, con- to continue. Oh, for sure. Well, look, it's, it's, there's, there's no downside to what you all are doing, right? It's all get it upcycled. It's all up. And that's what I love. But tell me a little bit, too. I mean, you know, look, we're, we're in an economy right now that's uh, certainly not great. We're in an economy that's not going to get great, I don't think, for a while. It is what it is. So, I mean, that's got to put a little bit more pressure on man- farmers, producers to be thinking about ways. And how, how has the economy kind of affected people's mindset or how your members see that right now? Yeah, um, everyone's everyone's facing headwinds, uh, whether whether it's the price of the inputs for production or it's the price uh, that you pay to transport your goods across. Uh, it's it's certainly uh, it's real, and we're all we're all feeling it in our own in our own ways. Yeah, um, we, we talked about the additional revenue stream from the producer perspective, right? And so that's something that is really helpful in these times is having additional revenue streams, especially if you consider you were taking a loss from the tipping fee uh, and you can turn that into a revenue stream and maybe even have fewer tipping fees. And uh, it allows for a diversified revenue stream as well. Mm -hmm. So additional and diversified. If we're looking at, if if I'm a farmer um, and I'm generally producing fresh produce, and now I have the option. Uh, it makes more economic sense because there's value seen in the marketplace to produce a canned good or an IQF good or a dried good for market where that might have been going to landfill, compost, animal feed, depending on how expensive or not that is to get, to get rid of it. Um, again, you've diversified your portfolio, which is super helpful in uh, in these times as well. Yeah, hundred percent. No, great point, and I think it's really important that people, producers, and you know the, the food manufacturers that listen to us, the, the the farmers that listen to us, take a step back and say, God, what am I doing? What are the opportunities? I think you guys really frame up, a, a, lack of a better word, a nice safety net for people to consider. And I think it's I think it's really important that we take a hard look. So let's get into the certification thing because I think this is really you know not only your work is so important, but this is your forward-facing message. This is what consumers now can start to look for. I mean, th- this is this is the flashing neon light on packaging and, and that messaging going forward. So what does upcycle certification mean, if you wouldn't mind just kind of leaning into that a little bit and talk maybe perhaps a little bit about what it takes for a producer? Because it's just not fill out a form and you're good to go. There's the thought process behind it. Yeah. Yeah. We had many, many hours of really important, rigorous work done by uh, experts who were all volunteers, by the way, uh, and really there because they believed in this mission. Yeah. Um, we, If you consider that we had not been an organization for uh, more than a year, we were, we were a technically a seven-month-old organization, and we were able to bring, uh, bring on 12 expert volunteers from uh, three different countries, mostly from the U.S., but right. we did have a scheduling issue of um, of Europe and New Zealand at the same time, so that's always great. Um, and they were all they were all volunteers and there to there to support this effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it again, it, it's not. I, I often like to say it's not because the 
those of us who started the organization are such geniuses. Uh, it's it's the right the, mo the right thing at the right time, right? We're talking about a moment, and that's where the momentum comes from. Absolutely. Um, and a need to to change what we're doing and to get more value out of what we're producing. So upcycled certified uh, is a certification mark that goes on pack in most cases, um, because in some cases we're talking about ingredients and that's going to be more beer. Sure. But it's a consumer facing mark that tells consumers that this product includes a certain amount of ingredients that would have gone to waste. And now they are, they're being diverted and ensured that they're going into products for people. So it includes food and beverage. Additionally, it includes supplements, cleaning products, um, cosmetics, and home care. And we also, we, you know, we just rounded up uh, our second round of discussions to iterate to make the standards stronger, and we're implementing that currently. Um, and in that, we wanted to make a clear, uh, a clear message to folks using, or to, to folks who might enter the program, that it's also viable for a restaurant menu item. Right. Yeah. If you, if you have, and, and we actually, U.S. Foods has a, a bond currently that they have certified. Um, and if you, you know, you could enter a burger that has that bun, and if it met the qualifications, which I'll get into in a sec, you could mm -hmm. put right next to that menu item the upcycled certification, or you could talk about it within the menu description, right? You could signal there. So you asked kind of what are the, the high level requirements? Well, the kind of main thing we have to do here is we have to show that we have to prove that this was going to what we call a waste destination. So right. those include, not limited to, but include landfill, compost, anaerobic digestion, right? Um, and you have to show that it was going there. And then you have to show uh, through segregation that it's now going to this ingredient or this product that we're talking about. Right. Um, or the ingredient level, 95% by weight of that ingredient must be from what we call upcycle inputs. It's got to have gone to waste. No, it's not. So to sell something as an ingredient, uh, as a certified upcycled ingredient, it's got to be 95% or more uh, upcycled material by weight. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm sure I'll say it a couple times, but folks can go to our website, upcycledfood.org, uh, and they can see the full list of, of certified ingredients and products right there. So it's, it's public information. We would love for everyone to, to see just who's involved and what their ingredients and products are. Right. If we're talking about uh, an upcycled certified product, there are a couple ways to get there. The easiest to understand is that 10% of the weight of that product has to be made from upcycled ingredients, similar to organic if we're talking about a beverage or something else mm -hmm. that has a lot water, we're going to exclude the water weight there. Sure. Um, and there's, there's some nuancey stuff here that we'll get into. I'll, I'll try to do it as quick as I can. Um, if you're using an ingredient, let's take an orange peel, right? Uh -huh. And you, you want to use the flavoring from that orange peel. Maybe it's an oil. You can imagine that the amount that you would put into a product by weight for a flavoring or a coloring, pretty small, right? But the amount that you have diverted in that orange peel is, could be pretty large if we've, if we've just juiced all of these oranges and now we've got all these peels or, or um, done something else with, with the flesh. So we heard, I think rightly so, that um, it was important to reward or recognize 
all the diversion that's happening, regardless of how much that end product weighs, right? How much that ingredient weighs in the end. So there's an alternative path. If you can show that the product includes or is responsible for a certain amount of tonnage diverted, and it's, it's anchored on your annual sales of that given product. So there's a tiered system there. You can show that it meets that minimum requirement for tonnage diverted, then that's also a pathway, right? And of course, you can, we would love for folks to use multiple upcycled ingredients within one ingredient deck. Um, so there, there are ways to get to that 10% or higher without considering the tonnage diverted, but it is an important piece, right? We wanna make sure, we, we, we want to celebrate all efforts. And, and actually to that point, um, there's, a, there's a secondary mark that says upcycled certified minimal content, um, which has some restrictions on how you can talk about uh, the nature of those ingredients and has some marketing restrictions, but also allows um, anyone who's, who's put in upcycled ingredients within their product. The, the, the core mark, the one that says upcycled certified, has those two, the 10% of the time is diverted. And those are the ones that are um, you know, widely, like at 90, 98% of all of the ingredients and products that are certified use the, that core mark. I love it. You know, what you've shared with people, and I think it's so important that folks got to hear that, is that you tackle the issue of greenwashing in everything you just talked about. You literally have come to a place of being able to provide information back that tells consumers how they're contributing to the issue of food waste, how they're participating, how they're connected to this to this issue, right? Because people all want, you know, I think we wake up every day trying to do good. I really honestly believe that. And when it comes to shopping, we just haven't really been taught how necessarily always to do good, right? It's just what's in front of us. It's what we, you know, it's what we've been brought up. It's, it's that culture, whatever it might be. And I think the way you have laid this out and the way that you guys have methodically thought this through, and I'm sure that some of those conversations early on, you, you made them sound like they were pretty good and warm and fuzzy, but I'm pretty sure they got, you know, there were some conversations in there that were tough to be had because you are protecting the interest of the consumer along with the product. You're trying to do that heavy lift of, of changing the food world but you also have to be able to ensure that confidence to the consumer. And I think that's something that you guys have done marvelously. And I think it's something that people need to recognize. It's one of the things that I took away from my time, um, uh, you know, looking into what you guys are doing and putting my energy into it is I really found that to be um, uplifting to me, you know, that it was really about that. It was really about this, guys, this is real. And let us tell you why it's real and why it won't be real and the, the parameters we have. I think it's just really cool, dude. I really do. I commend you guys for where you went. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Todd. And, and to be candid, we, and rightly so, we're going to be tested on this, right? It's always yeah. a conversation. It's always, there's always a, a balance. And as, as the, the main staff member uh, kind of crafting those conversations, um, it's a hard place to be when you know the solution is probably something that no one is happy with, but people can generally get behind wherever you are on that argument. Um, I, wanna, I wanna point out also uh, as a consumer education tool that a requirement of labeling of upcycled certified is that you specifically call out which ingredients within that product are actually the upcycled ingredients, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's a requirement. It's gotta be either in the ingredient deck or even ladder on front of pack. You, you just have to talk about it so that can, can, consumers can can actually say, oh, this is how I'm doing it, right? Maybe maybe we don't know exactly where that beet powder came from, what farm it came from, but we know in this product I'm looking at here, 
it is the beat powder that is that is doing the lifting here on on the surface. Correct. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, this is Jesse from Superior Fresh. Check us out at www.superiorfresh.com to learn more about how we raise our Atlantic salmon without the use of hormones, antibiotics, or pesticides. Our Heart Check certified salmon boasts two times the omega-3s of other salmon and are fed an organic and non-GMO diet. Our fish thrive in water naturally filtered by our USDA certified organic greens, which allows us to recycle 99.9% of our water. This is salmon as it should be. Order Superior Fresh Salmon direct to your home by shopping with us online. And listeners of this episode can use the discount code TLC15 to receive 15% off your order. We make it easy to get the best salmon in your homes and on your plates. We've got you covered. Superior salmon equals superior taste. Shop now and use code TLC15 for 15% off through the end of the month. Well, I think I think it's incredibly, incredibly important to do that because, look, we have a lot of words out there in the marketplace when it comes to food, like sustainable. No clue what that actually means. Local, define it. 100 miles, 1,000 miles. I, hey, if it's February and you're in western New York and there's snow on the ground, you want to eat a lot, you know, have a salad? Not local anymore, right? I can be getting close to being local nowadays with technology, but who knows? So I think it's really important that you give the consumer the backbone that you're giving them. And that's what I love about what you guys are doing, which is why I was really – pushed you know and our, and our and our mutual friend one of my favorite people on the planet joe dixon said you got to get these guys on you need to talk to them and once i got into it, it was like yeah you're right we got to get these guys on and talk to them because you really do represent the values that i feel are incredibly important and give consumers that opportunity to get again to contribute and to get involved in making a difference in this planet with their dollars and that's a powerful tool we have to embrace it's just great work dude it really is yeah i really appreciate it uh todd and i'm not not saying that as a as a lead in, I, I really truly appreciate it. Um, I also, you know, I, I want to speak to consumer trust generally, and I'm sure this is. I, I would expect this is something that you you understand from your time in the industry as well. Um, and as you've said, you know, people people wake up and they want to do good. Companies, large food companies, are certainly not a monolith. Like when we talk about when we talk about these hard conversations. Those, those similar conversations about sustainability and what what's good for the consumer and what helps gain consumer trust, those are happening internally in the given organization, just as much as they're happening within our organization for, for certification requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important for, for people to understand that certainly there are people within large companies, whether they're food companies or otherwise, that um, have only profit on their mind. And there are many, many people at those same companies who have the triple bottom line on their mind uh, and take it very seriously and, and want to ensure that that is elevated in their conversation. And so yeah. this, you know, hopefully gets to a place where we can, we can uh, get all of those archetypes within a company on board to uh, putting all of our food to its best and highest use. Love it, brother. So. People can go online, upcyclefood.org. They can see what's certified, what's out there, right? And then they can get involved off the website, right? They can learn about the foundation, can learn about the work that you're doing. They can get contact information for these brands that are listening, like, I've got to make that email. So all that lays there. I mean, it, 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 go on the Google machine, hit the, <laughs> hit the URL, and it's, you know, let's walk that path together and see what we can create from all this. 
Yeah, um, we have membership levels all the way from student to a multinational company, right? So people get involved as, as members. Uh, we have tools to attract investment to the, to the uh, industry. So if you're someone who's looking to invest financially in this industry, um, we have connections for that. Uh, we, like I said, are a, are a nonprofit. We are actually two nonprofits, technically. We're a 501c6 and a 501c3. Um, that's the Upcycled Food Foundation, uh, right. is the uh, 501c3. And, um, you know, we certainly benefit from philanthropists who are interested in investing in this as a solution to, uh, to climate change and welcome that. Um, and, you know, that's, it's, not, it's not new. We've been able to partner with uh, the generous folks at the Kroger Zero Hunger Zero Waste Foundation um, who, have, who have given us um, some generous backing. Uh, the Fink Family Foundation was our initial funder uh, back in the fall of 2019. So we have a ton of appreciation for them. And there are many people I should be thanking right now who I, who I will choose uh, to do at another time. Um, but you, there's, lots, there's lots of ways to get involved. Um, right. and hopefully... Uh, hopefully we've done something here. I appreciate the platform to, to yeah, get for sure. Well, that's the, the basis for the statement and the question, because I think it's incredibly important that people recognize that at any level they can get involved and they can make a difference. And again, they can contribute. This is an opportunity to contribute and to vote with your dollars and be a part of something um, that's making a huge difference that needs to be at a 50 billion plus dollar valuation and go up to a hundred billion and build this business because there's a ton of opportunity out there. You know, 650 apples is a hell of a lot of apples for everybody in this country to throw away a year. It really is. It's a lot. Go to the grocery store and count how many apples are on the shelf. You'll be lucky if you see 650, right? It's a big number. So tell me, what's next for you guys? What's exciting coming up in 2023? You got anything big announcements? What's going yeah. on? Give me, give me a tidbit, bro. I'm going to tell you every announcement that we have for next year. Go, it's baby, go. Um, so we have, like I said, almost 300 ingredients and products that are currently certified uh, that represents somewhere around 46 or 47 participating brands in the in the program, and we have uh, somewhere around 130 brands in the pipeline. Uh, so if you do some quick back the envelope math, generally that's at least 500 products. Uh, yeah. That we have 500 ingredients in products, um, and those are only the ones that we know of uh, in our pipeline. Uh, there are plenty more in our membership, and by the way, it is not a requirement of uh, certification that, that a company be a member of Upcycle Food Association uh, and vice versa. We have plenty of, plenty of brands with Upcycle products that are certified that they're not members. We would love them to become members, but sure. uh, not always the case. Uh, we, this year, actually, as I've, as I've mentioned, we went through and, and looked at the standard and made sure, excuse me, that it was purpose-built after having done it for run the program for a bit of time and we went back in and made sure it's good. So we're currently implementing version two of the standard. It's, it's, it's out there and people are, are using it right now. So we're expecting more ingredients and products. Um, we expect more wonderful partnerships. We get a lot of incoming uh, interest and demand for the certification from places outside the U.S. and Canada. We actually started in the U.S. last year, opened in Canada on Earth Day this year, and expect to be moving outside of the U.S. and Canada um, next year. There's a lot that goes. Uh, we're hoping that's that's our that's a goal. It's a hopefully not even a stretch goal, but a goal that we're going to get to for next year. Um, 
Yeah, and, and generally, we're hoping to see those consumer awareness numbers go up. Uh, and we can do that only with, uh, you know, all the giants that we stand on the shoulders of, all the people who are looking at their own manufacturing, um, or not even what they currently do, but they're just, they're consumers who see a, a problem and they're creating brands themselves. We have plenty of those stories. Uh, brands themselves because they're seeing uh, value where others aren't doing the analysis themselves. So, um there's a, you know, the Expo East um, experience that I had always gives me some really wonderful feels, right? We, every yeah. time we do an event, uh, we have this lovely community of, uh, of member companies and they, they truly care. And they're, they're also pumped to, to move forward. So we're hoping the organization grows. We're hoping that the certification, uh, we expect the certification to grow and the number of ingredients and products. And, and ultimately, we expect uh, the folks looking at this to, to see more of those products on shelf. We already, already upcycled certified products are nationally um, circulated in Whole Foods, in Sprouts, in uh, Kroger stores, uh, Target Online, many other places. Um, which represents represents if you if you put those together represents a, a large number of of the uh the storefronts in the country and so hopefully we we see more of those come on and we we see a lot more products on the shelves i love it brother i i'm just i'm just so proud of the work you guys do and the lift that you're doing and the opportunity to get you out here and get some more people to see what it is and hear what it is and be a part of what it is because it's a noble mission we need it we need you out there uh, we need you to keep growing. We need 5,000 brands. So there's my goal for you. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, that, I'm sure that'll make you go nuts trying to get that pulled off. But hey, you got the energy. You can do it. But I do. I really appreciate what you're doing. And, and, I, and I mean that in all sincerity because I think that it, it's the time is now for us to start to really focus in and make some changes. And, you know, having spent some time recording another broadcast I shared with you before we flipped the camera on today talking I spent some time with some, some teenagers that were talking about a product that they're making and doing different stuff and when you listen to the youth of today and what concerns them and what worries them and what they're thinking about we need to do more of that right we need to go downstream and listen a little bit right and this is a big part of what they're concerned about is what this planet what we're leaving them for this planet and the changes that we can make and where we're going to do with water and where how they're going to feed their kids I mean these are things these guys are thinking about today so to have you guys doing what you're doing and being out there and elevate this message really awesome dude it really is it's super super cool yeah um i'll say it again i appreciate you elevating the voice um yeah. those of you who are who are listening come on board and and join join the community absolutely dude come back i'd like for you to come back next year you know middle let's talk about where you are and what how many brands are out there i'd like to keep this conversation going so i you know yeah this platform i'm extending to you at any time to come on and keep it going because i believe in what you're doing i think it's 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 really cool and we need to keep people involved and again, go vote with your dollars. This is that opportunity to contribute to make a better planet. And I think we I think we all owe it to each other on this global community to act like we're all on the global community together. And you guys are leading the charge on that. And I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Todd. Yeah, dude, for sure. Everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate you being here. Go check us out on social media, TLC underscore Toddversation. We hang out there because the Kardashians do. So that's why I'm on there. Um, you know, we appreciate you listening. Like I always say, go inspire somebody. It's really important. What Ben talked about today is important. It's inspirational. We have that opportunity and we need to lean into it. So go do it. Be inspirational today. Go look up online, find some upcycle food, share it with your family and tell them the story about what it is. And let's hook some more consumers about this. It's not hard to do, guys. He's doing the heavy lifting. You can go do your part now, too. Let's make it happen. Ben, I appreciate you. Come back anytime. You're always welcome here. Keep up the mission, brother. I'll talk at you soon. Take care, everybody. Be good.